This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to activists Savannah Jang and Maxine Alpert, both Gilderland High School sophomores who organized a May 21st anti-hate rally at their school. During the pandemic and the forced isolation that came with it, the activist said, separate people came together through social media, not just in Gilderland, but from far-flung places. Alpert said that silence can be worse than a negative response. Allies need to be there, she said, noting that if someone shows up, that person can be shown how their opinions are harmful. Alpert said their motto has become, this is just the beginning. So for those of you that weren't fortunate enough to be there, we're going to start with some very powerful speeches that each of them gave. And Maxine is going to go first, and we're going to follow right on the heels of that before we even talk about or digest what she had to say with Savannah's speech, and you'll get the kind of feeling that I had sitting there in a folding chair in front of the high school with this banner saying anti-hate and having these words, these heartfelt words just coming at you so different than the usual kind of graduation speeches filled with platitudes. So take it away, Maxine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Gilderland High School Anti-Hate Rally. My name is Maxine Alpart, and my pronouns are she, her. Thank you to all the teachers, students, Board of Education members, Equity and Diversity Committee members, and podcast listeners who are here tonight to listen to the student voices and stand in solidarity against hate. Even though I stand before you speaking out against the recent spike in hate and racism during the pandemic, it took me a long time to find my voice. I am someone who is from everywhere. My mother is a first-generation Chinese-Canadian woman who married my dad, a white Jew who grew up in Albany Academy and the North Polony Central School District. It means so much to me to be connected to all parts of my heritage and celebrate my diversity, but I was so uncomfortable with being different for a long time. Even before I understood what my identity and race was, my dad would tell me, Maxine, you are not half anything. Despite all the different groups and boxes I fit into, I never really felt like I really belonged. I was constantly told I wasn't enough. The term Asian, which means white Asian, has been used many times to exclude me from both groups. I had to learn how to speak up for myself in order to be heard over the voices of others. I learned that I had to be extremely articulate, mature, and thoughtful in my responses because people were going to pull apart every word I said. I got used to people asking me where I was from and who my parents were. I learned how to stand up for myself because there was often no one who would do it for me. When Savannah Jang and I started planning the anti-hate rally as a last minute event before we got back to school from April break, we had no idea how many people this would reach and how impactful this rally would become. We were going to pull something together ourselves and pray people would come, but now we stand here with a massive group of people who share our goal of making this school actively anti-racist by condemning hate within the community. 
From the very start, our main mission for the anti-hate rally was to provide a safe space for students to speak out about their experiences with racism and give everyone a platform. In our culture, microaggressions and racism are normalized and brushed off as schoolyard teasing, which just invalidates the frustration and harm that these instances cause. Students who go to adults they trust are pushed away and leave with the idea they shouldn't speak out about their experiences with hate because no one will listen to them. We need to educate our teachers on how to provide safe spaces for students before they get hurt. Our racism shouldn't be your learning experience. We don't need to suffer for you to become a better ally. Let's learn how to, let's learn how to prevent the problem. Reacting isn't enough. If we want to become truly anti-racist and active in making our school a safe place for students and teachers, we need to be the ones initiating change. This anti-hate rally is only the beginning of much work to come. We need to address every instance of hate with the same diligence and level of seriousness, regardless of who the student is. We need to be there for our community members who are struggling during tough times and learn how to listen. The student voice is strong and we will not be silenced anymore. We will continue to speak out until we are heard. The messages of equity, diversity, love, and inclusion need to be supported by everyone if we want to make Gilderland Central School District anti-racist and anti-hate. We all need to use our voices to lift each other up. Thank you. This is where we hear loud applause and cheering. And now we're going to move to Savannah's speech. Sick. That's what I am. Congested by ill-willed hate. Suffocating. Like I'm confined in a glass box, watched by contemptuous eyes, their gazes burning into my colored skin. I feel they see me as a scapegoat. Check all that apply. Not Hispanic. Asian. Asian? Why do you ask? So you can grade with more scrutiny, so you can set extortionate standards, so you can now identify me as the ridiculous model minority. I am sick. Utterly sick of the stereotype that I have to conform to just because of the shape of my eyes and the color of my skin. I am categorized like an object. Like my appearance defines my worth, and even if I'm the littlest bit faulty, I will become useless. I loathe myself for saying this, but I do not want to be Asian. I don't want to be Asian because in the fourth grade, I was scared to bring my mom's leftover diaoza to school because I felt the kids with prepackaged lunchables and Capri Suns would make fun of the obscure smell. In sixth grade, someone told me that someone told them all Asians are skinny except for Savannah. In the seventh grade, I called myself a chink because that's what the people around me referred to me as, and I was mystified with what it meant. In eighth grade, people called me flat face and chink anonymously on my online forum. Again, in the winter of eighth grade, a boy said to me, and I quote, you would be pretty if you weren't Asian. In the winter of this year, a girl asked me, why do your eyes look like that? Three months ago, someone sent me three emojis, one of a dog, one of a cat, and one of a bat, and asked if I was salivating yet. 
And a week ago, my mom was sitting outside my friend's house at 8 p.m. in the dark and texted me, you have to come aside. It's not safe for me to sit alone in the car. And why does everyone say to me that I'm the whitest Asian person they know? I feel unwelcomed here. I feel alienated. I feel attacked and I feel scared. My dad told me that I was losing my Asian values, that I was drifting away from my cultural identity. I want to blow up in his face and say that I've suppressed it because I feel as though it's the only way that I won't feel like an outlier. As a member of the marginalized Asian community, the LGBTQIA community and the woman community, I am demanding change. I want myself as well as others to feel safe and accepted. And the only way to achieve this openness is through action. We must demand change. We must start having those discussions, start researching, start taking action, and it begins right here. Sick is what I am. I'm tired of being the only one who catches this cold. I wish you would catch this cold so you know how it feels to constantly have a stuffy nose. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. I would just like to start by asking the two of you how it is you came up with this idea to begin with, this idea of bringing people together for a rally rather than just sharing these horrible, hurtful experiences between yourselves. What, what made you decide to step out with it? It was kind of like, I remember it was the beginning of spring break, right? And me and Maxine, like previously in the past, we're both really big kind of activists and we both like to fight for like, or defend sort of what's right morally and ethically. So basically I went to a rally previously in Washington Park, which was like in light of recent events, it was a Stop Asian Hate rally. And I was like, wow because they had speakers they had um this pastor who like spoke beforehand and it was really just really beautiful and I really wanted to kind of like since I was previously in student government so we were talking about it there and student government is very diverse we have a lot of people of color a lot of people from different ethnicities and backgrounds and so we were kind of like discussing how our school Mia Maxine and I quote her on this likes to say stuff but doesn't take action so I have this idea in my head that's like oh you know if they're not going to take action then why don't we take action right so I come to Maxine over an Instagram DM and I'm like hey would you be interested in this idea that I have like bring in my head like a sort of anti-hate rally in our school and she's like she's really ecstatic about it she's like yeah definitely so we're kind of like just like it's just me and her over an Instagram DM kind of just like chatting back and forth about like, okay, tech, little bit technical details. Like, should we have an interest form kind of, and all of this. And so it was kind of just like started out there. And then have, walk us through how it unfolded because you brought in other groups. You brought in the student government. Just tell us a little about, cause that's a short amount of time to plan to plan a rally how how did it unfold 
Um, so Savannah and I were originally going to, it was going to be, as I said, in my speech, it was going to be really last minute. And, um, we actually had Mr. Raman, who's the teacher advisor for star, which stands for students and teachers against racism, reach out to us and ask us that like, and offer his help and ask that we partner with the school to do this. So we immediately jumped on board because we realized we quickly realized that it was too big of a project for both of us. And then from there, um, Mr. Raman brought in his, some of his student leaders, um, Raji Ramasamy and Errol Depengu. And um, they're both in student government. And um, we quickly got it approved and we got the Black Student Union involved and the Anti-Racism Committee involved. And we got speakers, which were amazing. Jessica Arianbua, Megana Bupati, Janine Sao, Mirzad Glavik, and Mr. Pichinat. And we got club, we had um, some amazing group activities. We had the, um, the, uh, which one? The symbols activity, which was Nora Ebersman and Nora Whiteside. And then we also had the, um, I'm just going to look up the credits for that. We had the um, Privilege Walk, which was Hanvita Kunkala Guntla. It was uh, uh, Athena Wu, Raji Ramasamy, and Aril Pangu, and that was amazing. And then we had two fabulous group presentations. One was from the Black Student Union, which was done by... Um, which was done by Leanne Arianbua, Chelsea Igweke, and Angel Jackson, which was the history of Black people in America, inherent biases, and the history of the Black Lives Matter movement. We had student government, which was Megan Abupati, Janine Sao, Samiha Hassan, Irilda Pengu, Raji Ramasamy, and David Zhang, which really was very powerful. They called out the problems with microaggressions and how specifically white authority figures need to do more for our school. And it was just such an hard work from students because this was really basically all students. Yeah, that was what was so stunning about it to me. The students really were in charge and the insights that you gave. um, I've been covering the Gilderland schools for decades and um, certainly heard from students who felt marginalized Um, because of sexual orientation, because of race, but never heard them speak out like that. And I know you said in your speech, Maxine, that part of it was to give a a safe space um, for these things to be heard. And it felt that way. How how did you accomplish making it a safe space? Um, I think that what we did was we had a lot of trusted advisors throughout the process. we had Mr. Pinchinat of Black Student Union. We had Ms. Randall from Student Government, Miss um, Chadwick, um, Mr. Han, Mr. Raman. We had a lot, and Mr. Piscatelli. We had a lot of trusted advisors who were there to um, help us edit our speeches and make sure that we were getting our messages across. And then again, it was so much support that I didn't feel I uh, students were so kind and welcoming, and everyone was clapping and applauding. I just felt. And I feel, and I don't want to speak for Savannah, but we felt like it was just so much love and people were, people came up to us and said, thank you for sharing your stories at the end, because I we use our voices for people that can't and people who don't feel safe enough. So that was really something that 
we were really excited to have. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite exercises, you called it, I think, the privilege walk. Where did that idea come from? Because that was, I wrote my editorial about it yet to be published this week. I Just to see people recognizing when their names aren't mispronounced or recognizing things that other people suffer through and having the step forward, step back. Do you know the genesis of that? Yeah, it's actually um, really ironic because it came about from like Generation Z. So you know how like we're all on TikTok right now, mm-hmm. right? So it was actually Samiha Hassan who proposed the idea. And she's like, she's, I quote, she's like, I saw this TikTok. I think this might be a stupid idea, but like, it's like this privilege walk sort of. And it was like this sound that was like, take a step forward if like, it was a question about like um, privilege, obviously. So it's like, take a step forward and a bunch of people like, made videos to that sound and showing them taking a step forward, taking a step backward. And I think that's what's so beautiful about like our generation is that we're so innovative and we're so like in the moment and we're so present. And I think that's why one of why our rally is so successful, successful because like we just had so much leeway and we're just so like exuberant and we bring such like great ideas to the table. And yeah, so that's where it basically originated from. That's great. Well, also, the words that you use, Savannah, do you write poetry? Are you someone that, that what kind of writing do you do um, when you're not um, making speeches? <laughs> I mean, I don't really, I love slam poetry, though. I don't really, like, write it on my free time. It's just, like, the language um, that I really, like, took from is kind of just, like, it's very raw. Like it actually happened to me, like these experiences, like that's why they hit so hard because like it actually happened to me and I actually experienced them. So putting it on paper was like, I'm not making anything up. This is like how I feel. This is like why I want to share it. And it's kind of like, I want people to also like, like kind of like empathize with me, even in some ways that they like, the best way that they can but yeah um maybe maybe i'll take up some poetry (laughs) well yeah because it was raw i mean the idea of someone sending those three emojis and asking if you're salivating it was terribly raw or your mother sitting in the car and texting you to hurry because she wasn't safe but at the same time you framed it with a universal something everybody recognizes what it's like to feel sick you didn't just shovel out the raw you you framed it in a way that I'm a white person <laughs> you know I could take it in because you you put it in a wrapper that everybody has a universal experience with it, you know what it's like to feel a cold you know what it's like to feel sick and then you put the meaning of how you were using those words and return to it at the end. It, I just thought it was great. And Maxine, your speech too, you were so candid about, did you read the speech to your parents? What did they think of, of your speech? Um, I, my parents, again, my parents are very adamant that I embrace all sides of my culture and they really liked the speech. Um, as someone, again, as someone who has experiences literally across the world. It's, it's been difficult for me to find my voice because I don't feel as though I identify with any groups, but 
I, I think that my writing style is more essay and obviously Savannah's is more poetry. So I think that we complement each other, but I just had like, I just had so much support from the people around me and I had so much fun doing this with Savannah, even though it was incredibly stressful at times. Um, we had a lot of fun and it turned out like way, way better than we ever thought. Yeah, well, you both have very powerful voices, but you use them in different ways. And I'm interested to ask each of you, too, about your parents' role in all of this, because you, each of you, in different ways, mentioned your parents in your speech. I know, Maxine, you said that your dad had told you you're not half anything, which is just what a supportive father to have that in you all along. And then... Savannah talking about her father worrying that she's losing parts of her Asian culture. And yet there you powerfully explain that you're suppressing it because of the culture you find yourself in. If you could either one of you or both of you just talk a little about how your parents have shaped who you are, which is remarkable young, young women activists. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go first. Um, I think that my experience with my experience with my parents has been incredibly supportive. Um, I celebrate like I celebrate um, Chinese New Year with my grandparents on my mom's side, and I celebrate Hanukkah with my grandparents on my dad's side. I think that there are times where I've wanted to be, depending on the group I'm in, I've wanted to be more Asian or more white because depending, because I've been told that I'm not Asian enough for the Asian kids group chat. I've never been invited to like the white kid group chat because I'm, I'm neither of those people. So I've had an interesting experience with it. And my parents, even though they always tell me that I should embrace my culture, it, it's like Savannah said, it's, it's hard to embrace your culture in a society that doesn't. So I think that my parents have been incredibly supportive and they've helped me navigate a lot of my culture and my diversity. How wonderful. That's the kind of parent everybody should have. And how about you, Savannah? I'm going to be really open about this. So in contrast to Maxine, I really just have kind of like a topsy-turvy, really bipolar relationship with my parents. Um, I am openly bisexual, um, but with my parents, it's hard because they're so traditionally con like Chinese conservatives. So they don't, they're like, oh, they support the movement, but they don't really support me if I were to be one. They're Christian also. So um, exactly like that. But they'll also like, they understand that I'm like, experiencing kind of these microaggressions and how it, uh, how much it affects me. So it's kind of really up and down. So what I'm taking away from their like, love, their kind of like defense against for me is kind of like they have shaped me into someone who tries to be an intersectional activist. Um, instead, like they, they're for, um, like stop Asian hate, but there, my mom is for like stop Asian hate, but she stigmatizes black people a lot. So, um, 
please don't send her hate but i love her in all like i think but she's just sometimes she has these kind of flaws so she has shaped me into one who's like i we have to recognize that it can't just be one or the other it has to be both it has to like everything has to like collide like there is no feminism without um racial justice there is no like lgbtq rights without women's rights so I think over history, those movements have often happened at the same time um, because there is an awareness. I mean, coming up in the 60s, it was a time of great feminism and a time of great fights for racial equality because everyone's consciousness um, on rights gets raised at the same time. And being a parent myself, I can I can see it's hard when your child is in places where you haven't been <laughs> and it you can be frightened for them as they forge ahead and and try to make a path that goes beyond where your own generation could reach so i can imagine that 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 can be difficult in a family but if you could talk about the two of you, what your friendship has done for each other, because it seems like a really special and important relationship that the two of you have built, not just to come up with a rally like this, but it sounds like you really get each other. And if you could just talk a little about the value of that friendship, I think it would be great. Um, I mean, I... I Savannah and I were always like we always had intersecting friends we always had like friends who were in the same groups but we were never close friends but I think that this rally has really brought me brought me and her together because again we've always fought for the same things but we've done it in different ways and in different clubs and I think that this was just a great way for us to bring it together I mean we saw it with the rest of the student leaders like there, uh, Arelda, I met her like on the dress rehearsal of the rally. I had never seen her before in person. And it's just so crazy to think that like the remote setting of school has separated so many people, but like so many of us were able to come together and we have this like massive group chat of everyone who was involved in the rally. And maybe like 5% of it is actually about the rally. The rest of it is just us like sending ridiculous pictures and making each other laugh. So we've really come together and it's really nice to see like people support each other during a time where there's a lot of loneliness. Yeah, that's a theme that I'd love it if either one of you could address. And it came out in the very closing section of the rally where I think it was Abby Tyson read that powerful, powerful poem by Terrence Hayes, George Floyd. And um, then the advisor uh, walked us through the more than nine minutes of silence in honor of, you know, the time that... George Floyd was being murdered um, with these prompts that had to do with the idea of solitude. And I'm just wondering across the country and right here in Gilderland, if if the solitude that was imposed by the pandemic had any relationship in your mind or your way of looking at it to the kind of activism um, that has been born of this era? I think it's really evolved into some sort of like, it's all on social media now. I think you can like, like 
here's the down, here's the disadvantage is that like, you don't really, you don't see the genuine nitty of it. Like someone can obviously like make something up, like performative activism is so easy to do on social media, but like in person, it's not. And that's, I think one of the disadvantages of everything moving totally virtual. But I think one of the advantages is, is that you can meet people and you can spread awareness so much more easily and it can diffuse through like to so many people like TikTok. I'm sorry. TikTok is so great to me. I love it so much. Like I, I hear about these like events that like, did this happen? Like, are you like, I didn't even realize that like that happened and it's kind of spreading awareness in like its own way. And it can reach people all the way to like New Zealand, all the way people in Hawaii. And that's like the beauty of it. It's that like, we're brought together and activism is so much more connected now in this like bubble of the world wide web. You know what I mean? Yeah. To go off of what Savannah said, I think that um, during the pandemic, everyone was constantly on their phones. So I think that activism really spread as well because there was so much news being consumed and unfortunately so many incidences of out of police violence and hate. And I think that that really catapulted lots of movements to really step up. And what Savannah said about social media is spreading. I mean, today is the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre that took place. And I, I was so ashamed that be, that I only learned about it two days ago because social media has reach so many people, we have the chance to educate people that might not have been reached before. Yeah, you're right. Everyone in Tulsa knew about that, but it was regional, the knowledge. And I work for a very, very local newspaper, and we record history about Gilderland going back well over 100 years. But the idea that you only know the history of your unique place gets shattered in a good way when you have um, this kind of reach that we have these days with the, the connections that we have. So, though, back to the very local, if you could talk a little about after the rally, I think it was on a Friday afternoon, so people weren't together in school again until Monday, although I'm sure you were all communicating otherwise. But what... Has there been a change in the school? Has, have you noticed, especially like when you called on authority figures? Um, did, did you get any sort of response? If you could just talk a little about how, how you think the rally might have made a difference already. Um, I serve on the um, our school district's equity and diversity committee, and I got so much support from them. Um, I think it's too early to see any real change because I, I mean, I haven't seen anyone start to implement new policies or specifically reach out to me. But I think something that has become our motto is this is the beginning, which like we have so much more work that we want to do. Um, there's just been such an outpouring of support from students that were there, students that weren't there. Um, every student leader has like posted pictures from the rally and we have gotten so much, so many, all of us have gotten so many messages and Snapchats and Instagram DMs. And we know that like our next one is just going to be, they're just going to grow in size. So we're really excited. And I'm sure Savannah has something else to say about that too. 
Yeah. Um, my remember my French teacher was there and she comes up to me after the rally and is like, I read, I like, I listened to your speech, obviously it was really beautiful. And she was like, can I give you a hug? Like, I didn't know that you were like going through that. Um, so that was like one of the highlights. I was like, Oh, I'm really glad I impacted you that way. And I'm really glad like that. It could reach you like that. I'm really glad that you were able to know my experiences and now like you're going to act upon it. Um, and also I think it's just like, it also, brought our community into like some sort like it gave us like credit because now we're like now everyone knows that the GHS community is standing in solidarity with the marginalized community of GHS and it's kind of just like we're not afraid to call people out we're not afraid to um you know promote change or seek change and like our little like forum of BSU student government star anti-racism is kind of like we're gonna be here you can't like if you're gonna be racist we're gonna stop you like that's what it basically is do you think it will affect the larger community outside of the school community do you have any plans for rallies that aren't just school-based or does that seem sort of out of your sphere? Um, right now, we are just focusing on our school community. Um, we have so many more people to reach in our school. I think that the people who need to come to these rallies, the people who um, maybe are my, who are part of the problem, they were not present there. So we want, I think our goal is to really reach out to those people and say like, this is not an option. Everyone needs to be here. Um, our plan for like the distant future is we really wanna do um, maybe like different, we wanna have like a multi-school rally. I think we were talking about reaching out to Albany and like some of our teachers have connections with the uh, Shenandoah School District. So we're just like really excited to see this like grow and we're ready to like take it wherever it goes. So that's interesting. So you'd you'd work with other school activist groups like in the Albany Public Schools or, or other neighboring schools and have a one single combined school sort of rally. Is that the idea? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm I'm. Like I admire Niskayuna Central School District so much because they they're so active in like hate and stuff. And they've been doing stuff since like April of last year. And it's like, wow, if we could like, you know, get partner with them and kind of like and also Albany and then Shen and then like this, like I think it could really like go somewhere. And like we um we're thinking of reaching out to them through social media because that's where I saw most of their activism. And again, that's like the great advantages of social media and so that's i yeah max like maxine said that would be great but our next step is kind of just to like see if we can reach the gray area in our school and then if we when we when we accomplish that we're going to branch out and yeah well when um i think it was maxine mentioned you know the people that you need to reach may not have been there did you have any sort of a negative reaction from students the the kind that are causing the hurt to begin with or did they just stay silent 
Um, I did not receive any negative feedback. I, I'm maybe Savannah has something, maybe Savannah did. I don't know. But the, the thing that I got was silence. And I think that sometimes that's worse than negativity to not say anything at all and be, and choose to ignore the fact that we are making a change and to choose not to come. I think that in some ways that's worse. So people who I thought were supportive of me and Savannah and our activism were not there. And I think that that just goes to show that people like people don't think that they're the issue. Um, I think that we need to show that everyone allies need to be there. People of color need to be there. Um, everyone, everyone needs to be on board with our mission to make a change or else it doesn't happen. That's a really fascinating thought. This idea that silence or absence is actually worse than negativity. And what I'm, maybe I'm extrapolating too far, but I think what I hear you're saying is at least if someone's engaged in expressing something, (laughs) they're participating, even if it isn't expressing exactly what you're feeling. Is Is that what you're saying? That just by being absent altogether... It's yeah, I mean, is someone who is outright negative, I we know where they stand and we know how we can help that person either see that their opinion, um, see, see why their opinions are harmful or help them to realize that, like how to be more, how to be a better ally. But people who are silent, they aren't doing anything for either. And I think and that's something that I've learned is like, people who say they support me when I ask them to people you can talk again you can talk all you want but if you don't do anything that's that's where my problem is like you can say you support me but I I want you to show up mm-hmm. and I think that 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 was our <laughs> that was our mission of the rally is to have people show up and I think that we got an amazing turnout but we just want to grow it so our whole school is there Well, our time has gone so fast. There were so many more things I wanted to ask you. But if either one of you wants to share just some closing thoughts to leave our listeners with as they go on about, you know, their regular lives and maybe don't think about these issues. Maybe, you know, some of us are offenders without really knowing it. Um, Just if you have any closing thoughts to leave us with, that would be great. I think all I have to say is that it's real and it happens daily to me. I, I literally was um, um, kind of offended today earlier because um, someone was making fun of the LGBTQ uh, community in, in Pride Month, too. And it was just like, what? Like, did, are you serious? That is so low. So I just want to say, like. It's not funny. It's offensive. It's rude. And it it happens. And I think that's what people need to be aware of. Yeah. I think that this, again, this is only the beginning. This change is going to happen. And I think that it's better to be on the side that, on the good, on the right side of history and on the side that is going to make our community a safe place for everyone. to everyone listening, I really hope that you learned something about how powerful the student voice is, even if you're not from the Gildan School District. But um, 
Savannah and I and all of the other amazing student leaders are so excited to continue this project. And we hope that everyone joins us in creating this change and making our school district and our community a safer place for everyone. 